Hey, this is Andrea, and you're listening to the City Heart Podcast. We hope that this series inspires you, challenges you, and propels you to dive deeper into your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to start here in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5 reads uh, just like this. We'll look in verse number 1. It says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Jump down to verse nine with me. It says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his God, that he'd wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of these little janky stinking waters of Israel? Isn't it better? Couldn't I wash in those, our pure water there? And be cleansed. So he turned and went off in a rage. And Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, if he told you to do some big, great thing, would you not have done it? If they told you to do some big, great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed? Verse 14 says, it says, so he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became like that of a young boy. If you have something, leave it there in that second Kings chapter five. We'll come back to that a little bit later. I want to check out one more verse to kind of frame up where we're going today. And uh, that's in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five. And we'll look at verse number 13, Matthew chapter five. Matthew's obviously in the the New uh, Testament of your Bible. So if you don't know your Bible, just split the Bible in the middle, hang a right. And uh, eventually you'll run into Matthew when you see the New Testament. Uh, Matthew chapter five. And we'll look at verse number 13. Matthew five, verse 13 reads like this. It says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Bow your heads, let me pray for you today. 
Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to share, to to dig in and and to discover what your word says to us. Lord, I pray that uh, during this time that we speak, God, that your Holy Spirit would continue to move through me as I speak. God, allow me to decrease in this moment and your, your Holy Spirit to increase and take over, God, that the words that your people hear today are not my own, not my opinion, God, but they're what you want communicated. They're what you want them to hear today. Lord, I pray that the word that is delivered, God, is is one that encourages us, that it's a word that challenges us, and it's a word that pushes us ever closer in our relationship with you. God, I thank you that your word is true, that it is life, and it's everything that we need for life and godliness in this world. Lord, we give you the glory for your word, and I thank you for all those who are here listening with me today. And it's in Jesus' name we all say together, amen. I'm going to preach a message today called Salt. Salt. Speaking of salt, I was uh, watching some YouTube. You know, you get stuck on YouTube. I was watching YouTube, and I got stuck on the most interesting thing that I watched. It was about a little four-minute video about Icelandic sea salt. Right. I, I don't know why. I just got, that's where I ended up. Icelandic sea salt. And the thing about Icelandic sea salt, it's, it's actually special. It's actually, if you didn't know it, it's super expensive. It's actually 30 times the, 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 the cost, the value of your normal kitchen table salt. 30 times. That's how valuable this salt is. And you might be asking, well, why is it that valuable? Why does it, does it cost so much? Well, that's a good question. This particular salt takes literally, it takes about a week for them to, to take it out of the sea and, 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 and to, to do all they have to do to, to make it right uh, into, into salt, right? And, and then on top of that, the reason why it's really, really valuable is because of the way that it's processed. Normally, you would just have ovens that would take the salt out of the sea and would bake it down, and that would be the process by which it becomes right into the salt that we, we use right to put on your chicken. Hopefully, you season your chicken. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? That, that, that's what it becomes. But with this particular salt, what, what, what happens is that they actually use geothermal power geothermal power, which means that it's pure. It's about as green as, as you can be in making this salt. It's, it's completely pure. And because of that, the value of this particular salt is 30 times the value of what it normally is. And, and, and salt, as we know, is flavorful, right? It brings flavor to the things in our lives. That's why we, that's why we use it to season. Thank you, Lord, right? And, but salt is also a, 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 excuse me, I can't even think of the word, preserver. Thank you so much. It's like persevere, it was like all different words just mixed up there. <laughs> a preserver. Salt is a preserver. And so as I was watching this video, the Lord began to speak to me as he normally does during the week because it's, it's random stuff for me that the Lord speaks to me through. Um, and so I started thinking about what we've been talking about in this series forward, about the fact that, man, that we've been talking about producing and we've been talking about building and strengthening and mastering and executing the work that God has called us to do. And, and, it, and it got me thinking about that salt because, man, it, it just, just the amount of effort that they put into making sure that the salt was pure and that it was good 
and that it was, man, that it was worth the 30 times value of regular salt reminded me that, you know what, we need to put that same level of work into what we do in our lives. That we should see what God has placed in us and the work that he has given us as that valuable. That we would do the extra work and what seems like, the man, just something that's not ordinary to produce in us greater and to the level of what God has placed in us. Not just what we're comfortable with doing. Man, that documentary on, on Icelandic salt actually led me to one more scripture that, that we've, been, we've covered a few times in this series, and it's, and it's Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. And in this verse, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord. One of the consistent barriers to progress, to going forward that we'll face in our lives is allowing our hearts and our minds to accept that what, that what God has designed for us to do and the process by which he wants us to get there is better than what we could actually think of ourselves. What God desires to do in and through you and the process, the way he wants to get you there is better, far better than what we could ever conceive of ourselves. And that's hard for us. Why? Because the road isn't easy. There's times when you're going through the process with God, it seems like, well, God, why are you doing it this way? Can I just get the easy road, God? Can I just, just easy button me through this situation, Jesus, please? But the way that God sends us through, the things that he does for us, the way that he moves, the, 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 how he's thinking about it is actually higher and better and greater than our way. Yeah. And I get it. Man, it's tough to convince yourself of that because for many of us, our lives have been lived or are being lived in a way that's beneath the standard that God has set for you. If I could put it in the terms to make it easy, right? We've been living in a sinful condition and from a prideful position. If you think about your life, man, uh, the, the majority, most of us, some of y'all were saved since you were like two years old. God bless you. The rest of us people who are trying to get ourselves together, right, we've been living, come on, it's just, it's just me and Donaldo, right, right, we've been living, right, from a sinful, in a sinful condition and from a prideful position most of our lives. Can I get an amen? I know it ain't just me. This is some of y'all too, right? I don't point out any, anybody in here. What happened? You lived in darkness for a good while. We all did. We all lived in darkness, and, and our very existence, it was influenced. We were shrouded in, and we were enveloped in the darkness. And either we didn't recognize it, or you completely ignored it, or you simply grew comfortable with the darkness. It's, 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 you know, we've all done it, right? You've gone into the house and 
It's light outside, but maybe it's dark in your house. You ever gone when, when the power was out at night and, man, it's dark in your house, but you're still trying to navigate your way and hoping that you don't stub your toe? on the bed. It's that same way. Sometimes we get, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get your eyes to adjust, to get, to get comfortable with the darkness, right? So, so that you can feel like you can navigate. And sometimes that's, that's what we've done with our lives. We've gone into darkness, dark situations, and, and we're trying to adjust our eyes to get comfortable with the dark when actually that's not how you were designed to live. You weren't designed to be in the dark. And so, man, that existence where we've been influenced and shrouded and enveloped in the darkness has allowed us to get to the place where we feel like, man, we don't recognize the darkness, that we've ignored it, or that we've grown comfortable with it. And that's why even more, the presence and the work of Jesus in your life is so vastly important. The work that Jesus came to do is so important in your life. Why? Because he brings us into the light. We've been talking about that all year. Man, what would it look like if you lived your life in the light? This work that Jesus did when he came and he lived on this earth and he died with our sins on his back, right? That's, that is literally this work that's so important. That's, that's what brings us into the light. That's what helps us to leave the darkness that maybe we ignored or, man, maybe we tried to act like we didn't see or, or, or maybe we just got comfortable with. When Jesus came, he shined a light into your life. And that helps you to understand and to discover what it means to not be in the darkness. We've been reading 1 John 1, 5, 10 throughout this series, and it says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. It's not that God that lies, it's we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we make a decision, if we decide to walk in the light, if we decide to go forward with Jesus Christ, right, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What does it do? It helps us to escape the darkness that we've been experiencing. It helps us to get uncomfortable with the darkness that we've gotten comfortable with. It helps us to, to see and to recognize the darkness that we've just been ignoring in our lives. It's the work of Jesus. And so what we have to do, right, is, is, is allow our mind and our heart to accept that his ways are higher and better than our ways, and that his thoughts are higher and better than our thoughts. That's not easy to get our minds and our hearts to do that, to, get to, to recognize that walking in the light is better than being in darkness. It's because we've gotten comfortable with it or, or we're ignoring it or we don't recognize it, but when the Lord comes in, man, he actually reveals the fact that we're in the darkness so that we can make a decision to find the light. 
And we get into the light. We've been talking about this over the last few weeks, that what's found in the light, we read it, just read it in that verse, what we find in the light is freedom and fellowship. What we find, what we're desiring, what the reason why Jesus came to this earth is so that we would have freedom and fellowship. This is why he's saying, walk in the light as I am in the light. And that freedom, what does that look like? It's where your life is whole, holy, and healthy. I'm going to say this till my face turns blue to y'all get this. I'm going to repeat it over and over and over again till it drives you crazy. That freedom is when life is whole, holy, and healthy. That's the life that we actually desire. But also be beyond that, what we also desire and should desire is fellowship, where we have a connection with other people, right? That's outside of just ourselves. And, and, and what is that fellowship? It's where you are able to interact and, and, and connect with others, others in a way that is mutually beneficial. So it's not just about me, but actually it's about me connecting with others. And this is why the Lord came, and this is why he did all that he did to reveal the light that, was, that you were consumed in darkness in, right? So to take you out of that so that you could experience a different way of living, so that you could experience freedom and fellowship in your life. And maybe you've never experienced that before, but the Lord came so that you would have that experience in your life, that you would reap the benefits of that. And that is the goal. That's the goal for us. But let me say this. None of that is achievable if we don't evaluate our lives. You won't see the need for the light if you don't take a look into your life. Evaluation, consistent evaluation of your life will help you not only walk into the light, but actually stay in the light. It's evaluation. It's making right, a judgment or an assessment. Right? It's, it's making a determination in your life. What you're doing is you're taking a look into your life and looking and seeing, okay, what's the true condition? Maybe I was walking in the light for a while, but I stopped. And now, man, I'm noticing darkness and shadows coming back in. You have to consistently evaluate, go back and say, wait, I was walking in the light, but now that I recognize those shadows, man, maybe I should go and look again and, and make sure that I turn the light on in the back room. Maybe I need to look in that closet again and make sure that the light is still on in there. Now, I haven't shut it off. Trying to ignore and trying to forget and trying to act like I don't see the darkness that's there. Evaluation is, is so important for, for us in our lives as we continue to try to walk into the light. Ephesians 5.10 says it like this. We read this early in the series. It, we, we said, look, we need to carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Okay, well, Lord, what I want to be in fellowship and, 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 and freedom. Well, you know what the Lord is going to say to you? All right, I want you to do some evaluation of your life. I want you to carefully determine what pleases me. 
Are you looking at those things? I know it's a tough word because we don't like to do evaluation. I get it. I know that's why you're quiet. It's okay. I'm going to preach anyway. We have to evaluate ourselves. For every person, right, this consistent self-evaluation is us, right? It's critical because it's through us consistently judging ourselves, consistently looking at ourselves and assessing ourselves that we can see if we are actually going forward. If you don't evaluate, you won't know. You can make assumptions that you are. You can see everybody else moving and they think you're moving in the same direction, but until you look into your life, you will not know. We can see if we're fulfilling our purpose, right? If we evaluate, we can see if if we're in a sinful condition, right? Or a prideful position in our life. We can see where we started to lean into our own ways and and back into our own thoughts. And we can see if who we are or what we're doing is actually pleasing to the Lord. It's through evaluation. Evaluation is work. It's work, and it takes humility, and it takes honesty with yourself, and it takes a desire to improve. Because it's one thing to evaluate, it's another thing to do something with what you have evaluated. The success or failure of any endeavor may hang in the balance of your ability to do it even from a spiritual standpoint. It's, it, it literally is going to require us doing that work. 1 John 5, 8, we read the first part of, of, this, of this verse earlier. Look what happens after verse 7. Right? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Right before we said, hey, you walk into the light as he is in the light, right? He does the work and he helps to purify us from all sin. And it says, look, if, if you get to the place where you are claiming to be without sin, if, if you think, hey, I've got it all together, what you're actually doing is deceiving yourselves. And it says, the truth is not in you. If, if you're making this claim, what it, what it lets you know is that you haven't evaluated yourself thoroughly. Because if you really took a look into your life, you would see, man, there's probably something that I can still yet work on. Or maybe, man, I think I'm doing well, but there's some things that I've been kind of lackadaisical in, or some things I've gotten lazy in, or some things I've, man, I've I've started to kind of get back to that weren't like the, the light that I was living in. Can I get an amen right there? He says, verse 9, if we confess our sins, though, if we do that evaluation work, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Look, I get it. It's work to do. Even talking about this is work to do. And it may even be painful but there is a blessing that is attached to evaluating your life and being circumspect about who you really are. It helps us to see our true selves, and it helps us to be sure that we're actually following God's ways, that, we're, we're, that we are going through that refining process. 
Evaluation leads to excellence. Why am I evaluating? Because I don't just want to be good. I don't just want to be table salt. I want to be Icelandic salt. I don't want my value to just be the normal. I want to be 30 times better than, than, than what people think that I even can be. And I want to do that in all that I'm producing, in all that I'm building, in all that I'm strengthening, in all that I'm mastering, in all that I'm executing, right? As I'm trying to move forward, I want to do that evaluation work so that everything that I am doing is done in excellence. We say it this way as a church. This is actually a core value for us. And we say it like this. We strive to get it right. We strive to get it right. It's a core value in our church. And it says this, our message won't change, but we'll consistently evaluate ways to improve our methods. We're going to preach Jesus all day. We're not going to leave that message ever. We're going to preach him crucified, risen from the dead, the savior of our lives. We are never going to change that message. So don't worry about that. Pastor Kevin's never going to preach some off the wall stuff. We're going to preach Jesus at City Heart Church. But how we do it may switch from time to time. We're, we're going to consistently evaluate how we do things. We're going to hold ourselves accountable right, to, to what we're doing and making sure that we're continually doing stuff in excellence. Because why? That's the standard of God. And because it's God's standard, I need to make it my standard. Because that's his way, it should be my way. Why? Because his ways are better than my ways. So as much as I think, oh, I'm good, we're doing great, actually, am I, am I doing my best to strive to reach God's way of doing it? Right? So in our culture, we love flexibility. We love, man, okay, man, you know what? We can switch it up. It's okay. I can do what needs to be done, understanding that what I think is the right way may be different than how it's always been done. The right way, what you think is the right way, may be different than how it's always been done. What, what needs to be, right? What needs to be? Maybe, maybe what you've been doing is fine, but what God desires for you to do is better. And that's why evaluation is so important. It lets you know that evaluation is a godly habit. When God created the earth, look, I love Genesis 1.31. He says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. I love that about God. He was like, yo, my work wasn't just good. It was very good, right? What God is saying, what is he doing? He's evaluating there. He's showing us that his standard is excellence. And so that should be something from us, right? In God, there was a desire, a desire for excellence. And so there should be a desire for excellence in our lives. It's actually built into our DNA. You know how I know? Go into a room and you see chairs askew. Right? They're just off. Go into a place, right? Some of y'all have this gene. I don't, I'm, I'm learning to have this one. If you go into your bedroom and your bed is not made, come on. I know there's somebody here who's like, I want my bed. This man's right. I, I want my bed done at all times. Or, for, man, for, 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 for guys, this is what we like for, for those sports fanatics in our lives. Man, we love seeing the perfect golf swing. 
or the, the perfect baseball swing, King Griffey Jr., the best baseball swing ever, even Barry Bonds without the steroids, right? But even Barry Bonds, right? The, the, one of the best baseball swings you ever saw. What? We desire excellence. That's a desire that's built into us, is excellence in our lives. We want to see that in our lives. But for us, it's hard to achieve that if we don't evaluate. If we never take a look to see, okay, maybe this was good for then, but it's not good for what I need in my life anymore. Maybe there's a relationship that was good for then, but it's not good for what God has for me right now. Maybe that worked when I was a teenager or worked when I was in college, but where God has taken me in my life, man, he wants me to evaluate that situation because the standard he's actually trying to bring me to is excellence. Psalms 26.2, I love this. It says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. What are you asking God to do? It's to evaluate you. Not only do I want to evaluate myself, but I want God to actually look at me as well. Some of y'all saying, I actually don't want that, but that's, that's what you should desire, right? God, I want you to look at me as well. Why? Why do I want God to look at me? We talked about it earlier. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So it means the standard is going to be higher. It's going to push me forward to a greater level. But also, as we read earlier, God is only going to deal with good. He's only going to deal with right. He's only going to deal with what's pure, what's lovely, what's noble, what's holy, what's healthy. That's, that's how God operates. And so what he has that is ahead of us in life is going to be of that same quality and character. What he's going to do in us is going to be good. The thing that you're moving forward to is going to be better than where you've been. And so you have to associate with God in your life. You have to evaluate, though, to do that. And so you have to begin to ask yourself, okay, what in my life needs to be restored? What in my life then needs to be cleansed and washed? We should be striving for that now. Why? Because God sees you as salt. God sees you as salt. He sees you as excellent. And not only are you excellent, but you walking in the purpose that he has for you. Walking in the calling that he has for your life, walking in the ministry that he's given you, walking in the career, walking in the mission, walking in the business, walking in the city and the influence that you have and the character that he has called you to is his way of taking salt and putting it in the world. It's his way of taking what's excellent about him and putting it into a neighborhood that might not look that way. It's, it's his way of taking his flavor, his passion, and his seasoning and shaking it out on things that don't necessarily look like that in our lives and in things that are around us. That's how God sees us. He sees us as salt. What does salt do when you put it on food? It makes whatever is there, it accentuates the flavor of whatever you're eating. 
We are salt. So God has placed us in this earth to accentuate and add some flavor, to add some passion and some life to what's going on in this earth. And so we have to see ourselves that way. We have to see ourselves as salt. Well, you're not just normal table salt. You're Icelandic sea salt. Your worth is so much greater. And you have to see yourself in that way. You have to see yourself of being the thing that God has placed in the earth to add some flavor to it, to add his flavor to it. Matthew 5.13, read it earlier, says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. When I read this, what it said to me is, as salt, we have to evaluate so that we can preserve all that he has called you to be. But even beyond that, still pursuing greater. Still seeing, okay, maybe there's something else that I can do to allow myself to be more like God. Maybe there's something else in me that, I, man, it's still a little shadow. It's, it's still something, man, that I'm consistently pursuing him in a greater and more excellent way in my life. I'm, I'm still trying to be a little more salty. I'm pursuing that saltiness. I'm pursuing excellence. I'm striving to get it right. I'm never going to get there, but man, I'm, man, I'm, I'm never going to be perfect, but I'm going to continue to strive in every area of my life. I'm going to strive in my marriage. I'm going to strive in my parenting. I'm going to strive in my friendships. I'm going to strive on my job. I'm going to strive in how I treat people. I'm going to strive in every area. Man, I'm going to see the excellent nature of God, and I'm going to continue to strive for that. And we do that modeling ourselves after Jesus. So it's funny, when we read that story about Naaman, all the characteristics that you see about him are excellent. He's a commander of the army. He's a valiant soldier. He's a great man. He's highly regarded, the word says. He's somebody that God used to bring victory. But he's still given instructions to strive. I want you to go beyond what you think is good. What you think is good is great, but I actually want you to strive beyond that. And so as we're going forward, as we're thinking about, okay, how do I go forward? What you're doing is great, but how can you do it better? Here's the thing about Naaman that's interesting. He has all these qualifications and all these amazing characteristics, but when it comes to the moment when he's given a simple instruction to do greater, he can't even wrap his mind around it. What, what, what do you mean? I thought he, man, he was going to come and, and sprinkle some stuff and, and do some hooky-doo magic over me, and that's how my leprosy was going to go. Right? He has a condition. He has a skin condition. It's, it's something that's still something that he could be working on, and God's given him access and room to make it better. But he won't pull the trigger on the small thing that God has asked him to do. God has made you excellence. 
There are all these amazing attributes about your life and characteristics and things that you've done that are amazing that we could list. And God is saying, look, I want to take it to the next level. I want you to strive a little bit higher. What is the thing that God has been asking you to do that you have turned your nose up at? What is the thing in your life that is that that you oh I don't I don't Lord I don't man Lord I thought you were gonna do it this way. God, man, well Lord, I, I man, I thought you were gonna hooky do and spooky do and put some magic on it, and I was just gonna reach this next level in my life. And what the Lord is saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to humble yourself. I want you to be flexible to what I'm asking you to do in this season. And it's not going to look like how you think it's supposed to look like. Why? Because my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And what I'm asking you to do is to get your your mind and your heart wrapped around the fact that it might not look the way that it looked before. What you thought was right may not be right anymore. I'm asking you to do it in a different and in a better way so that you can reach the things that I have called you to. That's the call for us today, is to strive to get it right. This should be a burning hunger in us. Lord, what is that thing? What's the next thing? My wife does, right? I love this about my wife, right? She's always like, hey, every day I wake up, I'm trying to think, how can we better our marriage? Man, what is it that I can do? And I always feel super guilty, like, man, I should have thought about that. But I love that because she's always striving for that man. What is, okay, is there something else I need to work on? Is there something else that I should be doing better, that I should be pursuing? As believers, as followers of Christ, that should be our perspective, that we're striving to get it right. Let me give you four ways. We've done this every week. I want to give you four ways to strive to get it right, four things that can help you. And and as you're trying to move forward, four things that are going to help you strive to get it right. This is what this is what makes you salt. This is this is how you become. This is the process, right? Thing number one: have knowledge of your purpose. Know and recognize and accept the fact that you are salt. Know. Have knowledge of your purpose. So, right, you have to know what's right. You have to know what is excellent. You have to know what is truth. How do you do that? Looking at the life of Jesus and digging into his word, digging into his word. You have to have knowledge of your purpose, what God has called you to do. The second thing is this. Give access to accountability. Give access to accountability. A, I want to make sure that that I am being accountable to someone. There should be somebody in my life that I'm accountable to that's helping me to, make, to live up to the standards that I know are God's standards. There's somebody in my life. It could be an auntie, a cousin, a friend, uh, my, my, my parents, somebody, a mentor, somebody in your life that's saying, hey, it's somebody that you're giving access to accountability to. It's also someone that you are giving access to accountability. So you are giving them the permission to call you out when they see that you're not being salt. You want to give access to accountability. You, want, you need to hold to what's right. What's the third thing? You have to develop clarity of perspective. 
If you're going to strive to get it right, if you're going to go forward, you have to have clarity of perspective. That, what does that mean? What do you mean, PK? You have to be, have the ability to see what may be wrong and accept that and then try to do something about it. You have to develop that clarity of perspective. The last thing is this, and I'm done. You have to maintain flexibility. You have to maintain flexibility. What do you mean? Keep an attitude of willingness to change what's wrong. Keeping an attitude of willingness to change what's wrong. Matthew 5.13, again, says, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its saltiness, if you lose the flavor, if you lose the purpose, if you lose the accountability, if you lose the flexibility to do things different, if you can't see what's wrong, then the word says that salt, if it can't do these things, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I don't believe that's what God desires for us. I believe that he desires for us to be salt. That's why he tells us you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth and you are yet becoming the salt of the earth. You should be striving to continue to be the salt of the earth. When you look this week into all that we dealt with this week with the election, we saw so much division. We saw how divided our country is. But you know what I saw? I was sharing this with one of the leaders in our church, that I see an opportunity. I see an opportunity for us to really be salt, for us to be the flavor that God decides that he wants to pour out on this nation and on this earth. He wants us to be salt to go into the neighborhoods and, 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 to, and to go into our city, the, the friend groups that we have and the family groups that we have, and to live as salt, to begin to pursue a better way and live the standard that God is. Not thinking the way that we think, not going the way that we think is good for us, but actually saying, God, what are your thoughts on this? God, what are your ways? And how can I apply that to my life? How can we strive to get it right? Bow your heads, let me pray for you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want to hear more about this series or learn more about our church, check us out at cityheartjackson.com or follow us online at cityheartjxn.